With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Attention Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov EIP to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya, yeah. quédense tranquilas. Aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un filet fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. Okay, um, so this is our second pod in the week. This is very unusual, but anyway, um, it's a special because we managed to get Michael Beale, the former under-23 manager for Liverpool's academy team, um, to come on and do an interview with Stephen. Um, it's, a, it's a great insight in terms of what he's doing now, um, his job when he was there at Liverpool manager, I mean Liverpool under-23 manager, um, and the, 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 the players that he's brought through who are now on the verge of either the force team or being part of the England World Cup under-21 winning squad, um, or the 20 World Cup winning squad and also his insight into the likes of Dominic Solanke who he would have uh, looked after when he was part of the Chelsea uh, Academy setup as well and and how he sees the progression of these young players are they players that we should expect to come through into the first team or are they going to need more time or maybe loans or move somewhere else and, and potentially move back to the club as we're seeing with, with other things so I won't keep talking um, here's the interview Steve did it it's a great one listen spread the word tell everyone that we're brilliant and that we're not messers at all whatsoever where you're at now because obviously you're in Sao Paulo so you got a so you got a one all draw at the weekend so don't know you were you were a bit nervy beforehand so I don't know how you how you felt about that yeah like we've we've actually been playing okay we've, we've um, the game's come thick and tough so that was our seventh game in 21 days which is quite tough when you include the travelling you know we've travelled a couple of times we travelled to um, uh, Coritiba last week for a game in the midweek and then come back and play at the weekend. So it's not the result we were looking for. It was actually winning 1-0 and, and, and should have held on to win the game. Uh, so it was disappointing. Um, at the moment, the league is a lot of... There's probably about 10 teams and there's three points or four points separating them all, all the way down to probably 16th in the league and second. There's only six points separating them. So there's a lot to be played for and... Uh, the season's really long here. We have played a state championship of around 30 games. 
and now we're ten games into a thirty-eight game national season. So it's a it's a hectic. You know, we moan about the schedule back in in the UK, but it, it's much more harsh here. Yeah, it seems that way. It's nearly like an NBA or an NFL schedule rather than um, than a Premiership schedule. I'd seen you said about the seven games in whatever it was, twenty or twenty-two days. I'd, I was actually going back, knowing that we were going to be talking to you tonight and having a look at the results and stuff. Um, and I just saw that. Yeah, every every three or four days, game, 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 and. I suppose in in one way you're probably thinking that's good because it can get you out of a rut. But similarly, if if things aren't going well, you don't really have any time, especially as you're saying, doing the travelling that you're doing. You don't have any time to work with the lads, do you? No, I think the other thing to bear in mind is that we started off like a house on fire at the start of the season. We were absolutely flying in the state championship and unfortunately we lost in the semi-final of that to Corinthians who are having a very, very strong year. But the other thing to bear in mind is that with the European transfer window opening, it's unsettled a lot of the teams in Brazil because there's a lot of players who are potentially going into Europe um, this month. We've been casualties of two or three players ourselves and we're subject to offers for maybe two or three more of our best players. So it's quite an unsettling time because with that going on, you're obviously playing a lot of games. Players are coming and going thick and fast. And also you might have one or two players in the team that have some things on their mind as well. And at the end of this year, obviously it's a World Cup year. So, you know, people are angling for positions in their national team. So that's a big eye-opener for me that, you know, we, we have three or four internationals in our team. And we played straight through international week. So we end up losing... Uh, probably our strongest three or four players for a four-game period. And, and like most teams in Brazil, that's a really, really difficult period for that to happen at the start of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And and like that, you know, it's it's, it's one of those things whereby it, it wouldn't be the norm to us to have a state championship and then a, a national championship. Um, but as you say, yeah. it must be tough to have been running so fast and, and or I suppose, you know, playing so well and then come into the national championship and just have the hiccup that you've had early on, which isn't ideal. Yeah. No, it's not ideal. And I think it, it gets everyone a little bit... Uh, you know, the passion here for the game is huge, both in the TV and in terraces with the fans. It's much more extreme than, than back in, in England, and that's been a bit of an eye-opener for me. And you're right, we probably had a three-and-a-half-week pre-season and then went into 17 games in 53 or 54 days. And then we had, like, five days rest before the national championship started, and now we've played 10 games in probably about six weeks in that. So... It is thick and fast. I think, you know, it's, it's getting used to that. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, at times you have to be lucky with injuries and, and, and lucky with the players that maybe stay and, and don't move on. But, you know, in Brazil, it is a market for the big clubs. You know, you see recently Vinicius Junior coming from nowhere, really, as an under-20 player. Yeah. You know, now he's been in the Flamengo team and he's going to go across to Real Madrid. But there's a lot of players across Brazil that are in the same case. You know, a lot of the Portuguese and, and Spanish and Italian clubs are, are looking at the Brazilian games week in, week out for potential signings because financially the clubs could do with some help. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I suppose you know, I, I've I've had a look back and I can see how you ended up there, but maybe a lot of our listeners wouldn't understand. Am I right in saying that it actually transpired from an FA course that you were on, and um, that's how you got to know and meet the the current manager? No, it was a bit of a coincidence, really. Algeria was in England. He's a big legend here, like a Gerard O'Reilly. He played 22 years for the club as a goalkeeper, over 1,200 games, but 131 goals. He took the free kicks and the penalties. He scored more free kicks than someone like David Beckham or Roberto Carlos in his career. So he's a massive icon of the club. And he'd recently retired and was in the UK taking a coaching badge, but also visiting a number of managers who went in see Bilic, Cloud Puel, Ranieri, Conte, was up visiting Jurgen Klopp and, and I think was going across to May United. And a guy that was looking after him uh, was familiar of me, from, of me from both Chelsea and Liverpool days and just asked if he'd come and spend the day with me. So he came into the academy and watched us train with the under-23s and from that we sort of had a chat for a couple of hours afterwards over lunch and and I think the next evening he, he went for dinner with Lucas and Coutinho and Firmino because they're familiar with him because he was an assistant coach to the Brazilian national team as well. Yeah. Um, and it went from there, really. I think that they, you know, I, I, I've had a decent relationship with Lucas Leiva because he's played for the 23s a little bit. Yeah. Um, has played once and I've been lucky enough to coach him on a couple of occasions and Firmino but I think they also said some kind words and it sort of went from there really uh, so it wasn't from an FA course he was taking the FA course but it was, it was just purely from a visit to the academy Right, okay, okay. And and how are you finding it so far? Is it, you know, obviously you, you, you've you gone on record saying that, you know, you wanted to go abroad and you wanted to learn a different language and stuff like that, but you've really thrown yourself in at the deep end there, haven't you, Mick? Yeah, I have. Like, to be fair, what people won't be like, there's two sides of it. There's the football side and there's the family side. The football side's been fantastic. It's a great experience to learn from Brazilian and South American players to live in a different climate where, you know, the quality of training in terms of, you know, not having to rush in because of the weather or not having to get into the session too fast because of the weather, really being able to enjoy the time on the training has just been fantastic. I've been lucky enough to play games against the Corinthians, Palmeiras, Fluminense, Santos. You know, these are fantastic games for, for mm. anyone. Mm. You know, and for me to go to you know, the place where Pelé played and to go to the American R and places like that. It's a, it's a dream come true. But the other side of it is I have a three and a five-year-old, uh, two boys, and, and they've only been here two out of the six and a half months. That's been very, very difficult, more difficult than than I thought it would be. But just through circumstances of visa and just the practicality of your family living here and not speaking the language. So yeah. That's been a really, really difficult thing. It's something that would be difficult living in any country outside of England, like any non-English speaking country. And and that's something really that that's 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 been the pressure. The pressure's not been the football side of it. I found that you know quite easy. I've really enjoyed the time with the players and the staff. And and you know, there's nothing not to like. It's Brazil and football. You know, yeah, as everybody yeah. knows back home, that's like a. You know, the two things go hand in hand. Kid in a sweet shop, isn't it? Yeah, and and so the experiences have been fantastic in terms of that. I just, I've I've found it 
you know, I've gone for periods of probably two months at a time where I've not had my family here with me. And obviously that's difficult because the children are just three and five and they don't necessarily understand. But they've been back here now probably a week and the plan is for them to stay for another couple of months until school starts in September. So, you know, there's, there's been a lot of interest back home, both via media and other coaches, to know what it's like and I've been very honest I think that that in terms of a football experience for for me as a coach it's it's an unbelievable experience coming from what I've already had before Um, but I would advise people that you know the family side is also is very very difficult you know I had a lot of things in place at Liverpool in terms of family and enjoyment of work that was just natural for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And listen, let's. Um, I, I want to obviously ask you some stuff about the the time at Liverpool, and 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 I suppose get your thoughts on you know. So yeah, sorry, Mick. I, I obviously, you know, you you spent a, a long time with with Liverpool as well, and I'd be interested in getting your ideas not only on what it was like to work there um, when you were there, because by all accounts, from anything I've read from you, you you really enjoyed your time there, um, but also maybe what your thoughts are for the lads that you worked with who are now coming through and obviously we've just signed Dom Solanke I know things aren't fully wrapped up on that but just to get your ideas on maybe you know a lot of those players that you worked with are probably at a point now whereby it's it's going to be a breakthrough season for them you would think that and I won't say I won't quite go as far as make and break um, because that's that's a bit of a harsh thing to say but just to get a feel for who you think might be ready to make that step up next season based on what the squad needs yeah, well, firstly, it's an unbelievable club to work for. So I can say that to all the fans of Liverpool and anyone listening that's a keen follower of Liverpool, that the club is everything that you think it is. It's an amazing club to work for. You know, I, I came up from London and the club took me and my family, you know, really took to us and uh, took us to their heart. But not only the people in the club, the people in the city. So I'm forever thankful for that. And you know, I hope that one day I can go back and I'd work for Liverpool in any sort of uh, any role uh, with no ego whatsoever. I just I feel that the club is a fantastic club and it was the happiest time I've had in coaching. I just you know, in terms of this opportunity, was a life goal in terms of like I've said previously, learning a language and working in different culture. At 36, I had to make this decision now while I was young enough to do it. Um, but in the future, let's see what happens. I've still got a hell of a lot of friends there. I'm in touch with the staff and the players pretty much daily and still watching every moment of the games and as a big fan of, of, of the club and the people there. And, and when I look at this summer, I'm quite proud, really. I look and I think, well, there's a lot of British kids there. You know, I look at Shea Ojo winning the under-20s World Cup and then the next day, you know, Ovia Ajaria is there as well. And then I'm looking and thinking, well, Harry Wilson's had an unbelievable season. Ryan Kent was fantastic for one young player at Barnsley. And, Harry, you know, and then you look at... Um, the players like Ben Woodburn and Trent Alexander and what they've done in the last year. And then young Rian Brewster coming up on the rails as well. And and also you look at, you know, you, you look at players like Dominic Solanke coming in. But obviously, I've known since the age of six years old, the same as I knew Olivier at Chelsea and the same as I knew um, Rian Brewster. So for me, I'm really pleased to see him joining Liverpool. And, and I've expressed to him, um, just had a brief conversation with him recently and expressed to him what a wonderful club it is and, and, and how he's so fortunate to be to be going there in this moment. 
No, brilliant. And what, I suppose here's a question then. What can, because Liverpool fans won't have seen a huge amount of him, what can they expect from him? Is he, is he ready to come in and challenge? Does he need a year at the under-23s to then move in? I know it's all about opportunities and you look at Marcus Rashford and what happened for him in the past season or two seasons. You know, it can just be down to a timely injury to somebody else that gives you a chance. But looking at him in, in his capabilities, do you think he's ready to come in and, and have a crack at uh, first-team football this season? Well, a couple of things about Dominic, for those that don't know. When he was a schoolboy, um, so the equivalent of what Ben Woodburn was a year ago when he was playing in the 80s, well, in that, when he was a schoolboy, he scored 42 goals for Chelsea under 18. And then as an under 17, as a first-year scholar, he... He scored over 40 goals again for the under-23, which actually, unfortunately, included a hat-trick against us <laughs> um, um, when we were both racing for the title a couple of years ago. And, and then he went out to Vitesse as just a second-year scholar. As a 17-year-old, he went to Holland for a year and played. And there were some fantastic comments. I think you can find one online by Philip Cockle, the ex-Dutch international mm, and, mm. and um, Barcelona player. And he said it's a privilege for you know, the Dutch league to have a boy with this talent playing in it. Now, that's a comment, you know, from someone that's played in Barcelona and has played in World Cups. It's an unbelievable comment. And then, obviously, this year, the boy's not played for whatever reason. Um, and it's, he's obviously come to light the contract, the reason that he hasn't played. But he's gone away to the under-20s World Cup off the back of playing three or four international games in the whole season. And then over the games, he got stronger and stronger. And he won the player of the tournament at under-20s World Cup. And yes, it's a youth tournament, but he's still only 19. He's, he's uh, 1997 born. So he's the same age as Shea Ojo, Ovi Ajari, Harry Wilson. He's a very, very young player that has huge potential. And I think... You know, we've all seen what's happened to Rashford through getting opportunities. And Rashford's opportunity can't lay United through injuries. And, and at the same time growing up, anyone that's a youth coach in the UK and knows Dominic Solanke knows he's a very, very good player. I think that Chelsea knew that as well. And, and Chelsea will be disappointed to see him leave. I know that because the staff there have developed him for a number of years and are close to him. But mm. he, he maybe he's felt that the opportunity to come to Liverpool is right for him. And I think it's certainly the right manager. He'll go in and spend all his time at Melwood. He won't be a player that, that trains with Neil Critchley and Mike Garrity at the academy. I'm sure of that. He'll be one that goes across and, and spends his time there. And it's important that he has a good pre-season. He's got stiff competition, hasn't he, with Firmino yeah, absolutely. And, and, play, you know, and players such as um, Daniel Sturridge. And Danny Ings is a fine player that's coming back from... He's injury, so I think the club is good. Good in terms of competition. The thing is, Dominic Slank is not just a number nine. He can play like he did in number twenty as a number ten. And I know him from young age as a, as a young wide player. I just think that it's another very, very top British young player alongside Shell, Joe, Harry Wilson, Ryan Kent, Ben Woodburn, Rian Brewster that the club has. Um, yeah, and that's not forgetting other young boys that are there as well. Absolutely, and we were just chatting about that on the main pod because obviously we're we're putting this out as a as a separate interview with yourself. But we were just chatting about the fact that you know some of the lads were saying they think we need six seven players, and I suppose one of my arguments was I, I'm not sure we do. I think if we can get if it does happen, who, who knows whether the club are actually in for uh, Naby Keita and 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 if Van Dijk can happen along with Salah coming in, I'm sort of saying maybe a left back an established left back after that. 
hopefully we'd be in a position to actually give our young lads a chance to play some football because there's no point in having a manager that we keep on talking about giving youth a chance to if we're filling our squad with with senior players and not giving them any sort of window to get in and play some football. That's the only way they're going to develop, in, in my opinion. Yeah, well, having worked there for five years, one thing I can say is that I, I felt that the owners were outstanding. And so, if, you know, if anyone's listening and wants to know what it was like to work for them, it was about developing young players and it was about bringing people on. And the whole club had a feel about development, both in terms of staff and players. And obviously, Jurgen Klopp coming in, he was a manager that's bought into that in his previous club at Dortmund. And he sort of he's a perfect fit for Liverpool in that sense that he's a developer um, of people and he's a developer of football clubs. So. It's a real good feel-good factor around the club. And I know last year probably didn't end up the way it was looking around Christmas, but I think you can probably sum up the disappointment of the season in one week, in my opinion. You know, There was a week where a few results didn't go our way and then the African nations come and we also lost Coutinho with injury and Mane at the same time and it really ruffled the feathers of the group. So I think that Salah coming in is a very, very good sign. And I think I fit Daniel Sturridge and Danny Ings and a Dom Slanky coming in is very important. And like you say, if they can add maybe a left-back and a central defender and a midfielder to that, now there wasn't a lot wrong last year. Just look at the competition in the Premier League, and it's very, very strong. I think that, you know, there was... Um, Chelsea obviously flew and broke records to win the league. That's how well they did last year. But I don't think Liverpool are a million miles away. I think that they have the right star. Uh, there's a real feel-good factor around the group. And now it's maybe adding one or two starters to the group that they have. But one thing's for sure, the future's bright because you know they have a number of players around 18 to 21 that are, in, in my opinion, you know, players that are really focused, that are really talented, but also believe there's an opportunity to break into Jurgen Klopp's plans because he has them training with him every day. Yeah. And I think that that's a real healthy mix for Liverpool. But again, you know, next year, the Champions League's back, which is really exciting. And, and the club is a, is a club that's always been, you know, an iconic club in European football. So it's important that... I think it's really important that Jurgen can win his first trophy because I think that will lift the roof off Anfield and the excitement um, will go even further. And I think that's it. I think it's the manager coming together with the players and the fans, you know, everyone coming together that will make Liverpool strong. And in the 18 months that Jurgen's been there, there's been moments where it's been like that. And, and I believe the future's bright. You know, it's a. It's the most competitive league in the world. If you look at the managers that are coming into the league, you know, you look at Frank De Boer coming into the league at Crystal Palace. Yeah, it's, a, like, it's a crazy wow, one. Yeah, you know, there's it, it, yeah, outstanding managers in every team. And, and so I think that, you know, last year, uh, it wasn't a disappointing year. I think they achieved the target of getting in the Champions League. But I think, you know, the, the staff will be a little bit disappointed because in one week they, they went out of two cup competitions and I think they, they deserve... And I think they believe they would do better in them competitions. And, mm. and, and that's just the nature of being at a club like Liverpool, you know, in, in terms of the standards that people are, are working towards. But it was when I was there, and I've only left, you know, I left in December, but when the team was flying, when I was there, it was a hugely positive place for young people to, to be working in terms of the young players because the manager and his staff 
gave them every opportunity to showcase their talent and there was often games behind closed doors in international windows where he got the young boys involved, boys like Rian Brewster, Jan Banda, you know, real young kids. That's how Trent and Ovier got their first chance with the first team and done well. And, you know, and you, you look at how Harry Wilson's kicked on this year. I was so pleased to see him get his debut. And yeah. these are boys that have been at the club since seven, eight, nine, ten years of age. So I think everyone can be proud of that. And Steve Highway coming back into the academy has added a lot of experience and, and, and quality to the work Alex Ingleball's doing. And we're all, we're all excited to see how Stephen can, can add to the academy and showcase his talent this year as well. Yeah, absolutely, and and I suppose we we put out that you were going to be on tonight to uh, to some of our listeners and followers, and uh, one of the sort of resounding questions that kept coming back was, why is it taking fifteen years for the club to actually produce you know a, a first team regular from the from the academy? But by all intents and purposes, from what you're saying there, it, it it takes time. You know, if if the if the owners over the last few years have put that emphasis on building from within, you don't just get your ready made star twelve months later unless you're very very lucky. So it sounds like you know we might be at a point whereby the effort and time that's being put in over the last three or four years, um, especially in the time that you were there, might just be starting to, to reap rewards in the season ahead as so many young lads come through. Yeah, I think there's, there's, a, there's a lot of different reasons. And I was only there five years, so you know, I've, my first group had boys like Jordan Rossiter, Cam Brannigan, Jerome Sinclair, Shay, Harry Wilson, Ryan Kent. They all went on to play and either earn money for the club by being transferred or still in the club as a valuable asset. I think you could look at every club in the Premier League and aim that out. I think that in general now, what you find is where youth development is needed in terms of maybe not having the finances of the big clubs or or maybe just, just needed because um, you don't have such a big squad, I think it happens. So I think there's one or two clubs in the, in the Premier League and in the Championship that develop players just through that. And I think out of the bigger clubs that Liverpool in the last two or three years, you know, I was lucky enough to see 18 debuts in about two and a half years. So mm. I was very pleased. I think if you look down the years that football's changed, I think, you know, and Gerard would say that, Fowler, McManaman, Owen, Carrigan, they would all say that when we, when we asked them, you know, the team that they came into compared to the team that the boys are coming into now of all the foreign names in the Premier League is, is very, very different. Uh, but I think we wanted to bring, you know, when I say we, I would say Alex Inglethorpe wanted to bring back, and the owners wanted to bring back, you know, more of a touch of the old time in terms of the people that were around. And, and that meant Steve Highway come back in. It meant that ex-players like Rob Jones, Stuart Manaman and Robbie Fowler started coming in to offer their services as mentors for the young players. Mm. Obviously, Stephen's come back. And I have to say, you know, the, the help that Kenny Dalglish gave everyone at the academy and the boost that he gave for regularly coming in and knowing every boy's name. I think in the time that I was there, the five years I was there, the re-emergence of that has been very, very exciting. And I think that that helps to keep the boys' feet on the ground because obviously there's a lot of money flying around now in youth development in England with all the finance that's in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, I think also the young players have to be a little bit more patient now than, than maybe the players of yesteryear needed to be. And, um, you know, I think that there's, there's been, 
there's been relative success. If you look at someone like uh, Raheem Sterling and come in at 14 for minimal money to leave for the 50 million that he did, or someone like Brad Smith that went for 6 million, or again, someone like Jordan Iver coming at 14, 15 and left for 15 million to Bournemouth. I think there's been success. Yeah. I just, I would agree with the fans that the sole aim of that staff at Liverpool Academy, the same at any academy in all the clubs, is to get a player in that stays in and hopefully becomes a, a captain like a Carragher or a Gerard, like an icon for the club. That That's what the people are working for. And when these young boys get a debut or play four or five games, they're, you know, their feet are well and, well and truly on the ground because that's what's drilled into them. You know, you haven't made it until you've made 100 games for Liverpool. That's the aim for every boy that's coming through the academy. Yeah, it's, it's nice though now, maybe a few years back, you either made it in the first team or you seem to be on the scrap heap. You look up, and that's no disrespect to the players, but you look at the likes of the John Welshes and people like that who, who had to drop down a division yeah. or two to get any sort of football after they were being hyped as potential first-team players or hopeful first-team players. Now, as you pointed out, we've got the likes of Brad Smith, the likes of Jordan Ibe, these sort of players, and I'm sure there'll be more along the way, maybe maybe Ryan Kent or whoever it might be that moves on. Um, at least they're now leaving the academy, and that's a testament to the likes of yourself and Alex and the people involved, but they're now leaving and going on to other clubs and playing at a good level and, and leaving the club for decent fees so that the actual money that's put into the development actually comes back into the club from transfer fees as well. I think a big, yeah, I think a big thing to look at is that all right, this summer, Salah comes in, and whatever age Salah is, and you look that he's been in the Premier League before with Chelsea, he's gone to Roma and knocked up a huge amount of games and European experience. And then he comes to Liverpool as a first-team player. Mm. And you look at Adam Lallana, who had his time in League One and the Championship and at Southampton before he was ready to come. You look at um, you look at Roberto um, Firmino, who had three, or three and a half or four and a half years in Hoffenheim before he was ready to play in the Premier League. Yeah. Even if you look at Luis Suarez, who had a year at Groningen, after National, he had three and a half years at Ajax before he was ready to come to Liverpool at 24. Yeah, they racked up about 150 games before they come to the Premier League. The Premier League is a hugely competitive league. You know, when you look at clubs the size of West Ham and Crystal Palace and Bournemouth are spending 15, 20, 25 million on players now. It's very hard to get a young player through. Yeah. In my opinion, someone like a Ryan Kent is ready to play in the Premier League and is ready to be given an opportunity. It would be the same with a Shea Ojo. It would be the same as a Harry Wilson. But the time is just changed in football. And, and if you look at the average age of teams that win, win trophies, it's around 27, 28. So what's really important is that we give these boys a career before a Liverpool career. Now, whether that's done by loans or whether that's done being in and around the squad and playing in maybe the League Cup or the FA Cup or getting minutes, you know, in the last 10 or 15 minutes of games. But there's not a specific answer for Liverpool. That's an answer for every club in the country. And I'm really hoping that the success that the England youth teams are having now forces the hands of the owners to take a little bit of pressure off the managers and say, look, come on, let's play our kids before we keep going to invest outside. I, I, I read some of the, the, the fans' sort of reactions to Dominic Solanke signing, and I thought it was crazy, if I'm honest, because a week later, he was, the world, he was winning the World Under-20s World Cup, and he was the player of the tournament, and everybody then sort of 
for one idioms, you know, a week before without people doing their homework, it was just... What the hell are we signing this fella for? Yeah. yeah, and I think that, that you know, that, that before, you know, if we want managers to play the kids, then we've got to be careful that the fans can be patient as well. And But that's not Liverpool. That's that sort of feedback for all the clubs in England. When I, I look at young players in England compared to, say, here, Brazil, or across Europe, when I've been lucky enough to play against them teams, I think we had very, very good players. I think in the Liverpool academy at the moment, the, the 10 or 12 names that we've mentioned are as good as anything that's out there in England. And also, they're very confident. And because the first-team staff embrace them and are talking to them about their development, they're very, very focused and motivated. And I think that's a really, really exciting blend. Mm. At the same time, you know, everybody wants the Liverpool first-team to do well this year, to fight for the championship and to do well in the Champions League. So there's not one competition that's left. You know, if you said to any Liverpool fans, you want to win the League Cup, you want to win the FA Cup, we want to win it all because that's what Liverpool stand for. And so when the young kids come in, they have to be ready. And, and that's a really difficult sort of balancing act to find. And I think at this moment in the Premier League, there's two managers that are making that job look a lot easier than the others. And that's obviously Jurgen Klopp and Pochettino down at Tottenham. Mm. And at the same time, the reason that I'm very impressed with both their managers is their teams are fighting right at the top end of the of the uh, Premier League. Yeah, no, absolutely. Listen, Mick, uh, before you go, um, I wouldn't mind getting two things off you. One, one is a, maybe who you think will be our standout youngster for the season ahead. Um, just your pick, to one to watch. Um, and secondly, what your thoughts are. Hopefully we'll get to talk to you again, maybe around Christmas time or something like that, uh, just to catch up with you again. But what, what your thoughts would be for the season ahead for the club as well, in terms of where they'll finish, what they might pick up. So first of all, give us, give us your youngster to watch and then give us your prediction for the season. I think it was clear at the end of the season that Trent Alexander was getting closer and closer to being a starter on someone that can, can really fight Nathaniel Klein for a regular place. I think Klein has been arguably the outstanding fullback right defender in the Premier League. He plays at the same level week in, week out. I think he's grown into his Liverpool career. But I do think that Trent is chasing him down. He's still very much a boy developing into a man's body, but every day he's getting there and and I know that the people inside the club are excited. I know that he's a local boy um, to Anfield, which excites people more and more. And, and, and having worked with him, I think he's probably got there a little bit quicker than I expected. But wow, he's, um, he looks very, very exciting. So I would say that next year is a big year for Trent. And without putting pressure on him, I think that he can really chase down um, Nathaniel Klein and and I think he'll make between 15 and 20 appearances next year and and, and that would be fantastic for him and then in terms of the club I think it will be I think that uh, the draw will be very very important in the Champions League but I expect with the manager that we've got and the the Anfield night that we'll get to the knockout stage of the Champions League and then anything can happen we know that as a a club and I think in the Premier League there's probably six teams. I think Chelsea will come stronger, Arsenal will come stronger, Man United, Tottenham, uh, Man City and, and ourselves, Liverpool, will all come back stronger. But I just think that the home crowd is so important. I think, you know, coming to Anfield is always a difficult place. And if our home form is strong, then the minimum that we will get is Champions League again. And we have a manager that's... Um, 
that's, that's kind of a special manager. He's a unique character. He gets people behind him in the team, and you know, uh, anything can happen. Uh, is what I think. I think next year Conte will find it slightly more difficult. I think Guardiola will be under slightly more pressure to to perform, and, and Wenger's constantly under pressure. Uh, Mourinho again, you know, he needs to find maybe four or five players to turn his team around. So we're in quite a good place. If we can add one or two starters to what we have, and if we can start the season how we started last year, but having that backup to keep momentum going when maybe we have some difficult moments, then then who knows? I just think that our strongest team is quite a settled team. You know, people mm. are happy. Coutinho, Firmino, you see them. You see them on their holiday at this moment with. Mino's wedding and you see the other Liverpool players are there it's yeah they're there they're friends and yeah there's nothing that I'm reading in the media about players wanting to leave and, and I'm I'm not surprised by that because obviously I know that the, the environment of the club is fantastic I only hear about players wanting to join which I think is, is a good position to be in but it's such a competitive league I think to, to do well in the Champions League I would love to see us win a cup and I'm not fussed which one it is and to, to to make sure now that we stay in the Champions League next year with a with a top two or top three finish and kick on and, and there's no reason why we can't do that. But I think the home form and the fans at Anfield getting behind the team is crucial and, and we know we can rely on them for that. No, listen, that that's absolutely brilliant. I'm mindful of the fact that as you said you've got the, the wife and kids um over there, so I don't want to take up any more of your time. Uh we really appreciate you giving us the time to come on and have a chat with us. And uh, like I said, hopefully maybe in a in a few months time we can have a yap again and, and see where the, the club is at at that stage, hopefully topping the league and uh, we can be talking about our, our run in for the second half of the season. Brilliant, Steve. Fingers crossed and good luck to everyone there, mate. I think what you're doing is fantastic podcast and, uh, and let's keep going and everyone you never walk alone either. stick together thank you very much Mick have a good one and I'll talk to you soon Okay, so look, that, that was the interview. Um, big thanks again to Michael Beer for coming on and doing that and hopefully we'll have him back on later on in the year um, along with the other regular uh, contributors we're having in. Have we mentioned about Simon Hughes on the, the timeline yet? No, we haven't. No, we won't, we, we, we won't tell them about that bit yes, just yet, right? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, look, uh, spread the word. That's a great interview. Tell everyone that it's brilliant. Um, get the, give us the retweets and the nice likes and the whole lot on the Facebook. And come follow us on the Facebook account because Jamie has actually run the Facebook account. See, we've delegated tasks. So Paul Brennan, Paul Brennan at Brenzi, who you all miss, is Mr. Twitter. And Jamie is running Facebook. So if you want to really wind Jamie up, go on and like Facebook and he'll have to talk to you. And he's on holidays at the moment and he's still talking to people on holidays. So do that. And again, look, big thanks to Michael Beale. Fascinating insight um, and fair play to Steve for, for, for doing the interview. He's, he is good for something every now and then apart from just abusing people on Twitter. Um, so that's it. So we'll be back again on Monday um, with another podcast and we have a few people in and uh, we'll talk to you all then. Cheers. Bye-bye. If you're snacking on anything but tasty cake, you're making a huge Miss Cake. A fistful of chocolate-covered raisins? Miss Cake. A spoonful of peanut butter? Bigger Miss Cake. Or the worst Miss Cake of all, your kid's Halloween candy. And it's May. If it's not Tasty Cake, it's a Miss Cake. Because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet. Or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty Cake. Accept no substitutes. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? 
it's uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Sports Social Podcast Network.